Welcome back to the Money Under the Mattress podcast. My name is Mitchell and my co-host is Jake. Uh, and today we have questions from our viewers. Um, we asked some people on Twitter uh, a couple questions as well as uh, some people on our Instagram. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, my uh, Twitter handle is Mitch Jensen underscore. Um, what's your Twitter handle, Jake? I think it is just a second here. Um... It is at invest uh, condensely. At invest condensely. Uh, you should be able to find us pretty easily. And then on Instagram, it's moneyunderthematress.podcast. Um, so you can DM us either way through there um, to ask us questions for our next uh, Q&A, which would be episode 25. Um, for this one, we got five, five or six questions. Um, and they're all really good questions. And so I guess we'll start off right up from the top. Um, what are some of your favorite investing books, Jake? Uh, yeah. So um, we have some pretty similar investing books, but uh, to name a few of the books that I really like, um, the first one would be The Little Book That Beats the Market from Joel Greenblatt. And pretty well, the book kind of takes you through, um, I guess it starts off with explaining to a kid about like um, how much you'd pay for a business. It kind of like does like that exercise, but uh, basically what it is, is you're looking for companies with the highest returns on capital and you're paying the lowest and the way the ratio they use, I think is earnings yield for that. Um, and then they also use return on invested capital. And basically if you go on uh, John Greenblatt's site, you can find like a screener where it screens for that, for the companies with, uh, it ranks the companies basically from the most attractive earnings yield, as well as the highest returns on invested capital. And you'll put your money into 20 or 30 of those companies and you rotate out every year or so. I really like that book. Um, another book that I really like is Security Analysis by uh, Ben Graham and David Dodd. Um, that's kind of like the, uh, I probably like, I'd say that book's probably like the most well-known book besides The Intelligent Investor for Value Investors. Um, it's a pretty good book. Uh, it can be dry. It's, it's, it's a pretty long book and some of the concepts are pretty dry. Like it's almost like a textbook, less like a, a normal investing book. Mm-hmm. Um, another book I like is The Dondo Investor uh, by Manish Pabrai. I really like this book. I love how he talks about the Patel family and their low risk way to creating uh, a massive um, hotel company um that's a really good book i I enjoyed that one too yeah i really like it like the low risk way Mm -hmm. and uh he really actually goes through like kind of like the valuation process too and uh i know his investment um his like framework for investing has changed since writing that book but it, it still has some very important concepts in it that i think a lot of people um could use uh, another book is uh, The Outsiders. And what that is, is it's like eight CEOs and they regard them as some of the best capital allocators of all time. Um, and I found that really interesting. And it really got me thinking more about who's running the business that I own rather than just looking at the business. Because I was always, when I first started learning about investing, I a lot of my learning came from um, Phil Towns podcast with his daughter 
And he talked about owning businesses that were so good that it didn't really matter like who ran them. Like basically he's like, you want to invest in a business that uh, basically can run itself because one day like a CEO will be like just stupid and like could ruin the company. So you want to find a company that can, you know, um, function without the CEO being great. But then after reading this book, I realized that um, the way the CEO allocates its capital is super important. And yeah, like that, 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 I found that was one of like the more, like it changed my perspective on investing. What about you, Mitch? What'd you think about that book? I really liked it. Um, I learned a lot from uh, the Teledyne guy. Was that name Singleton? Was Henry yeah. Singleton Teledyne? Yeah. Yeah, I really liked him. Um, I know I really liked a lot of them. Uh, obviously, Buffett was a really good one. Um, I really like the Cable Cowboy, uh, John Malone. Malone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also I, liked. It was a really good book. Yeah, I I liked a lot of them. Like um, Tom Murphy at Cap Cities is a good one. Too. That was a really good one too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was just a great book. Like I think everyone should read it. I think, and you know what? I think it should be required reading for any CEO of any company. Like I, like if a CEO of like a major corporation hasn't read this, then like they're missing out big time. I think almost like for any business school that has like, if your uh, majors like in management, I think that should really be a required reading for a class too. I think, I think capital allocation should be a really big class within uh, universities. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then this is not as much as of, a, of an investment book, but more of a business book. But my next favorite book is Alibaba, the house that Jack Ma built by Duncan Clark. It takes you through like the evolution of Alibaba and Jack Ma. And if you read the book, you realize that without Jack Ma, Alibaba would never be where it is today. And like, if you're going to, if you're looking to invest in <laughs> Alibaba, I would definitely read this book. So it kind of gives you like the history behind like how it came about and kind of like the culture in China as well. And uh, it's a very, very interesting book. Like, like I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's a good book on Jack Ma. Really liked it. Yeah. Um, another book I like, it's kind of the, I would say it's kind of like the opposite of uh, Joel Greenblatt's book and it's The Acquires Multiple by Tobias Carlyle. And basically his book talks about um, deep value and a lot of, well, I found it was a lot of like talking about like reversion into the mean and how like a lot of companies that earn high returns on capital don't earn it for very long because capitalism is really brutal. And so he talks about like finding the cheapest companies. And yeah, like, I, I like that book. It was kind of like, it was nice because I actually read Joel Greenblatt's book first and then I read this one after mm -hmm. and it kind of got me thinking. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think I would do either for like, I don't think I would ever use either strategy for my investing. Like, I still think like the way that we invest is preferable, at least for me. I, I find it more, I, I, really I find like, it more interesting to yeah, invest I, the way that we do, but I do understand the way that he does uh, invest. And it's always good to get like another side to a story type thing. And it's always good to learn about how other people are doing it too. Right. And you can mm -hmm. understand like from their point of view. And I know that Tobias like runs his funds pretty, like he's a quantitative investor and uh, it's interesting really. Like, and it's always good to like learn new metrics and like how people are judging certain businesses. So you can kind of incorporate it within your own framework and, 
how you do things right so mm-hmm. i thought it was a really good book and then one of my actually like more enjoyable reads i've i've read with an investing slash business book was the rebel allocator by jake taylor and uh I, I found this really enjoying or enjoyable because it's kind of like a story and incorporates like business um like jargon and philosophy while also having a story behind it so like if you're an individual who finds most investing books kind of dry if you're not really really deeply interested in like facts and like the, the things behind why this would be a good investment like that type of framework well um the rebel allocator like i really suggest it because it's not boring at all like it's not dry and it incorporates a lot of key business um well it's a lot of good good points about it like um for example, one of my favorite things within the book is um, the iron law of economic survival. And what it is, is the exercise or like kind of like the thought behind it is if you had three straws and your first straw was the cost, the product or service, your second straw in the middle was the price and your third straw on the right was the value. And you can think of this as as you move, like, let's say the cost or price or value one, it changes like how it, how it would like affect your business. So like, let's say um, it's hard to do it without picturing the actual straws in front of you. But if you had um, the price close to the value straw, then you're not creating a lot of value for your product. You're not really creating a lot of um you know, you're not widening your mode, I guess you could say in a way. Um, and then if your price is too close to your cost, but you have a wide um, distance between your price and value, then that can also be bad because you need profits in order to like fund your business. So it's kind of cool, like getting into that. And then um, he kind of talks about how you can have like, like brand modes. He talks about a couple of different like competitive advantages that way. And then he talks about it like you don't have like, if you're not able to like raise your price or your prices and have like pricing power that you can also be like a low cost producer. And it was like, it was a really good book and I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Like I really recommend it to anyone that I'll, I'll have to get that one. Yeah. It's, it's really, I thought it was a really good book. I know Munger read it and, and I think he talked to Jake Taylor about it uh, and said that he really enjoyed that too. Yeah. Like it's a really good book. Like even if you're not interested in, uh, in business, like just the story alone is pretty good too. Like, mm. He was, it was really a book. Like he was really able to incorporate like a story as well as the actual like business learning within it. Like it was really, it was a really exceptional book. Mm. Yeah. And that's my list. For that's your list? Books. Okay. Why well, books that I, that I want to talk about, like I've read other books, but mm-hmm. you can go ahead there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I might have six or seven books that I like to talk about. Um, my first book is called The Joys of Compounding. Have you read this one, Jake? No, I haven't yet. I heard no. it's pretty good though. Yeah, I put it on my Twitter the other day saying that it's probably one of the best investing books I've read in a while. Um, it's similar to like the essays of Warren Buffett, how they kind of, or like Buffettology kind of thing, where they kind of talk about like the, how Warren Buffett's style, you know, they talk about different uh, things. So like maybe one thing would be talking about dividends. Uh, the next thing we'd be talking about buybacks. Um Within this book, it's not just Buffett, but they talk about like psychology, um, 
within the markets. And then they have like different quotes from uh, different investors. So Nazim, Nazim Taleb is like uh, quoted quite a bit in this. Uh, same with Munger, Buffett, uh, Pabrai, Guy Spear. Like a lot of those guys are quoted in this book quite a bit. Um, so it's a really good all around book. Um, I think I'd really recommend it even for a beginner investor too. Like it wasn't too difficult of a read. Uh, you didn't have to have too much like of an investing background for it. Um, and that's why I got in bait. Uh, yeah, just a really good author in general. Um, another one is richer, wiser, happier. Um, I think yeah, it's going to be like book of the year for investing in my opinion. That was uh, a great book by William green. Yeah. It's like a really good book. Awesome book. Um, I think there, is there 12 chapters, Jake? You read this, right? Yeah, I, I read it, but I don't remember how many chapters it is, but the, it would be like, it was eight or 12, I think. It was one yeah. that I can't remember now, but it was really good. Yeah, awesome. and it, each chapter just talks about like the lifestyle of the investor. Um, so each chapter talks about one investor. So I know chapter mm -hmm. one's Monish Pabrai. Chapter six is uh, Nick Sleep. Highly recommend those. They talk about Munger in it. Um, who else do they talk about? They talk about Greenblatt. They talk about Howard Marks. Uh, Templeton's also an interesting one too. Um, I, I just really like the way that William Green um, was able to kind of um, journal his thoughts about these investors as he's interviewing them. Um, the next book, probably, probably up there for the best, best investing book. Um, besides like the, the top three, like um, Benjamin Graham and then the Phil Fisher books is yeah. Hunter Baggers by Chris Mayer. I really like this book. Um, that was excellent too. Yeah, that this is book. an excellent book. It's like a spinoff from like 100 to 1 in the stock market by Phelps. Um, this one's by, by Chris Mayer. And yeah, just a bunch of case studies that he talks about uh, of stocks that went um, 100 or 1 to 100. Other, just, I don't mean to interrupt you, but two other mm -hmm. books that I really liked was like Phil Fisher's book, Common Stocks and Common Profits. And I mm -hmm. also liked that one up on Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good books. I have some actually, I have them in my pile. Um, mm. Peter, yeah. Peter Lynch is, is a very smart guy. I really like Peter Lynch. Yes, like the Peter Lynch one up on Wall Street. Um, exceptional book, probably probably the top book I'd get if you started and that likes to start reading about investing and stuff like that. Um, yeah. A little bit is about, like, about him and then also like his thoughts. Um, one up on Wall Street, they talk about like the crash in 87. Um, yeah, Black Monday is that they call it. Wasn't and he? Was he golfing? Was it? He was golfing. I forget if it was Ireland or Scotland, but he was over in Europe and he was golfing. And um, he talks about when he found out that his portfolio was down thirteen uh, percent within the one day. Yeah, it's just an exceptional read. Um, there's a lot of case studies within there too. Um, he talks about um, ten baggers in it. This is kind of where the whole bagger came from i believe is from peter lynch it, probably, it makes sense it, it probably was that's the first place i've heard it come from was peter lynch but i could be mistaken um another good uh growth stock book is common stocks and uncommon profits i feel like if you're new into investing you've definitely read this um with the benjamin graham books uh phil fisher is just an exceptional exceptional author uh, and talks about uh, investing in good quality businesses compared to like where Benjamin Graham would be more worried about the cheaper businesses and wouldn't really care about the characteristics of it. Um, yeah. It's a really good book. Um, 
Next book, I'm not sure if many of you guys would have heard about this. It's a Peter Kundal biography called There's Always Something to Do. This is by Christopher Risso Gill. Um, it's just like a whole biography on Peter Kundal, which is a Canadian investor, um, which I think he passed away a couple of years ago now. Um, but yeah, just an unreal capital allocator, like just, or not capital allocator, but just an unreal manager. Um, really enjoyed this book. Um, I really like biographies in general. Um, so yeah. maybe not for everybody, but I really liked it. Um, I just have three more books. The Essays of Warren Buffett. I feel like a lot of you guys have read it. It's by Larry Cunningham. It's pretty much just the Essays of Warren Buffett, literally what the title says it is. Uh, just explains anything that Buffett has like thoughts of within the actual Berkshire business. Um, same with Munger. They talk about dividends, talk about buybacks. They talk about um, split, like splitting shares. They talk about the A, the, the B class shares. Kind of anything that you really need to know on Berkshire is pretty much in the essays of Warren Buffett, I'd say. Um, for like the layman investor. Like that's where like that's the first place I'd probably go to if I was a Berkshire, if I was interested in reading up on Berkshire, other than their annual report. Um, next book is Warren Buffett Interpretations of Financial Statements that's by Mary Buffett and David Clark. Uh, just a good beginner book um, to learn about annual reports and uh, 10, uh, 10K annual reports and how to read them and how to interpret them. Uh, next, the last one is you can be a stock market genius by Joel Greenblatt. Um, it's just a really good book on the whole case studies, a bunch of case studies that uh, Joel Greenblatt has um, learned or invested in, or his friends have invested in. And so it's a really good case study book. I'm pretty interested in just learning up people's mistakes or their big wins. Um, just, it's, it's really interesting. It talks a lot about um, risk arbitrage in special situations, kind of. That's like that's the majority of the book, I would say. Um, so if you're interested in that, I definitely check that out. Um, so that's all the books that I have on my list. Yeah. Uh, so definitely an extended question uh, or extended answer. Sorry, um, but it's kind of, I guess. It's hard to put like one book. You can't like say like one book that I like. You know what I mean? No, Maybe exactly. So like there's so many. Because there's yeah. like, you know, one up on Wall Street is probably my favorite, not biography. It's probably one of my favorite biographies on an investor. But then Peter Kindle's a really good biography on an investor. I couldn't really pick between the two. I say my favorite like investing, investing book is Common Stocks and Non-Common Profits. And then like there's just different ways, like different types of books. Um, I think that although like investing books are like good and all and like mm -hmm. it's important like to read them. Yeah. I, I like investor letters more. Like I, I like nomad partnership letters by uh, Nick sleep and mm. partners. Like I like those way more than, than the books. Like it was, it's amazing reading those. And then also there was like a, like a short kind of write up on um, Norbert Lou punch punch card. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a really good one they'll have like um, Joel Greenblatt and these other like good investors kind of like say like a few words on them, like during it as well. And like, it actually goes over like some of his thoughts on like NVR, which was like a famous investment of his that he wrote up on VIC. And like just a couple of those like write-ups on different people is amazing. 
And uh, yeah, I really like reading. And then also Buffett partnership letters from the yeah. early days is kind of cool too, to read up yeah. on like how he thought about things. No, exactly. I think a lot of people make a mistake early on in investing is reading too many investing books and not enough 10Ks or investment uh, manager letters. I think or you actual- learn a lot more from like a Bezos letter than reading just like an investment book about Amazon or just or an like, investing book in general, right? Or like, I'd rather learn like about like, you know, there's those books out there, but like G and like, or other books where it talks yeah. about like success, successful businesses or like unsuccessful businesses. And it tells you like why I think mm-hmm. those are kind of cool too, because then you can kind of think about like what you want in the business that you're investing in yeah. and like what could go wrong. And it kind of like, kind of like learn from history and like other people's mistakes yeah, usually and, the first the first thing I do, other than read the annual report, if I'm looking deep, like if I'm doing a deep dive into a business, is see if there's a biography on the CEO or if they wrote a book about um, the actual business. And so that's what I did with Alibaba. I read the yeah. 20F, which is similar to like a 10K annual report. Uh, and then after I read that, then I was like, okay, well, I'll read a couple more um, from different years and then try and go and get the Jack Ma book. One book that I really want to read and get is the one on Charlie Munger that you have? Oh, um, poor Charlie's Almanac. Is yes, I want to get about? that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I want to get that book pretty bad. Yeah, that I mean, uh, is, yeah, right. Like the Intelligent Investor would have obviously been on my list, and then poor Charlie's Almanac's obviously on my list too. But I you want to know what it, though? Hmm. Like I found the Intelligent Investor, I would be okay with just reading like chapters like eight and twenty. I think it is. Like I, the rest of the book kind of like. I found like if you already kind of know about investing it's kind of not there's no point of reading it and I, yeah. that's what i felt anyways when i read it i felt like it was a lot of stuff i like i mean i think there's a lot of okay not in our time anymore but i think back in the day i think it would have been more important to read yeah. nowadays when there's you know bonds aren't giving away 15 percent yields and stuff like that like <laughs> yeah. so it's like or even like majority seven. Bonds. yeah no exactly right so like, they're able to buy like solid company bonds at like 7% on a hundred power or like a power value, but like they'd be buying it for like 70 or 80 cents in the dollar and like get like a half decent return. But like nowadays, like you can't. I think, I think if you just understand the investment framework of Benjamin Graham, um, like from the intelligent investor, then yeah, I definitely check out chapters eight and 20. Um, I guess we'll move on to the second question there. Um, Who do you follow on Twitter, Jake? Like I, after they're asking is who do you, I'm guessing it's the ones that are like, uh, who do you mostly look at like or read uh, their tweets and go kind of in detail? I think uh, there's a lot of people within the, the Twitter community that I, I think provide a lot of great content. Mm-hmm. And like, it's been, it's been pretty amazing just to be able to like see what others are thinking. And you get to kind of, you have the potential. This is what I've been thinking lately is um, you never know who on Twitter, who is not like out there as being like the big successful investors, like the Monish Pop Rise of the world and all these like big names. Right. Yeah. You get to like potentially see them from the start. Like, like uh, for example, Connor Haley at Alta Fox, like these type of guys who aren't as well known as these other big investors and potentially mm-hmm. you get to see them from the start and as they rise, but like they have the potential to rise towards being like a, super investor i guess you could say same like a john huber type thing yeah john Mm -hmm. huber like i love his articles like john huber's is really intelligent man um i like bill brewster um i really like his podcast 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like value after hours in general. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy. I like uh, Business Breakdowns podcast that he has. He also has another podcast, but I think I, I like the like the Business Breakdown one the most mm-hmm. so far. Um, and then I like Tobias Carlisle and also investing with Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like investing with Tom, majority of you guys probably would have known him from uh, YouTube. He's I really I listen to or I watch all of his videos as soon as they come out. Same with uh, Brad Callender's Stock Compounder. Um, those guys I think are killing it on YouTube. They're doing a really good job uh, at giving valuable content to us. But yeah. I find yeah I find like I mean me and you are fairly new to like the whole FinTwit. Yeah, um, we we used to dig deep more on YouTube's. But I find myself now spending more time on Twitter than YouTube because I think there is more valuable content on Twitter, like for the most part, you know what I mean? It depends, obviously, but I feel like if you're trying to do a deep dive on on a business or if you're trying to look for a stock idea through YouTube, you're better off just going through Twitter. And you know what, too? When I first joined, like when I first got onto Twitter and like started looking and like following people, you kind of like aren't sure like who's like knows what they're talking about and like who's just kind of speaking a bunch of like gibberish i guess you could say yeah exactly but now like i've gotten to the point where like you see who's like really smart on there and then whoever they recommend then you go see what who they are and it's kind of like it's like a multiplier effect of like you know you're following more people every day because the people that you know that are like really smart people are telling you to like look at these people and it's it's just it's really good. I think the whole Twitter community and for the listeners, I mean, I know we might be going fast. Um, so if you go and look at one of our Twitters, we'll, we'll both have, um, uh, all these Twitter accounts that we follow. Um, and so we'll put them down below. Um, like we'll have a link to the podcast and then we'll have uh, all the Twitter handles down below as well as all the books, um, with the authors that you, if you want to follow the authors and stuff like that on Twitter. Um, so the ones that I follow on Twitter, um, the rational walk, I really like him uh, or her but I also quite a bit. Him. Yeah. And so, uh, they're, they're really good. Uh, the rational walk, I believe it's a guy, um, Adam Mead. Um, who else do I really like? Uh, 10 K diver. I really like him a lot. He explained some good, like he'll he'll like do like a like a thread and he'll mm-hmm. explain like a concept and it's really thorough and it's really good yep um andrew coon from focus compound i'm not sure if jeff gann is on the twitter or not but they uh andrew coon does bring so. a lot of value from jeff i believe onto the twitter account um so it's really i, I really like them as well as our podcast if you, if you want to learn like more about um investing i look at like geoff's old uh write-ups online yeah, Jeff, Je- like Jeff's, yeah, no, Jeff's, Jeff's definitely a, like goat status for uh, like early FinTwit. Because I, th- I think he used to have a Twitter account and then I, c- I, I can't find it anymore. And I don't believe he has it anymore. Um, but uh, no, I really like Jeff Gannon. Um, Josh Tarasov, I follow. He's really good. Uh, Alex Morris from our last podcast from The Science of Hitting. Um, make sure you go check out his Substack. He's like, he's, yeah. I, we really like him. Um, Michael Mitchell from uh, Value After Hours. Uh, he's, he's been big joining one. them lately. Yeah, yeah, he's been joining the after, Value After Hours lately. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. I've uh, been kind of researching more on him. Um, he's really big on lumber. If you guys are interested in that, and then he's, he's also uh, he he also bet big on like he he's very focused. 
Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, it's awesome to see. Um, And then the last guy would be Ian Castle. Um, I really like him. He's from the Microcap Club. So if anybody's interested in Microcaps, which I think you should be, in my opinion, uh, definitely go check out his Twitter as well as microcapclub.com. Did you say Brad yet? And yeah, exactly. Uh, Brad Kellner. Um, he's he's super, super good. I like his YouTube and I like his Twitter. Um, there's not much to beat about that guy. Um, I think that's it for like the big, I mean, there's so many I could name off. I can, it can go on forever. It, yeah, <laughs> let it go on. For, for us, pretty much just go on who we're following. Um, and those are the ones that we all like, obviously. Uh, I guess if we don't like them, then we probably wouldn't follow them, I guess. Yeah. But um, we're going to question three. Which investors do you follow? Um, do you want to go first? Yeah. So I guess like out of all those guys, I follow more like the, I guess, smaller investor than like the big ones. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't really follow Greenblatt or Howard Marks that much. Um, I mean, I'll follow all the guys that I just talked about or all the people I just talked about on Fintwit um, that both me and Jake follow. Um, but some of the, some of the ones that are on data Roma that we follow for me is Norbert Liu of punch card. I uh, really like him. Obviously Monish, Pabrai, um, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, Guy Speer, Greg Alexander, Greg Alexander. Well, is anybody maybe, else that I'm missing Jake? Uh, probably, but, uh, if you go on data Roma, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a, there's a long list of guys. We don't follow all of them. Like it, there's a couple in there that are not really our style. Um, but if you find people who are who who generally have like you know seventy percent of their top ten or seventy percent of their portfolio in the top ten positions, we're probably paying attention to them. Yeah. But yeah, like Mitch said, like you'd have money shit in there. We'd have obviously Buffett, Munger, Greg Alexander, Norbert Liu. I think Norbert Liu's uh, Norbert Liu's an overlooked guy. Um, or person, but, but I think that guy is going to, uh, I, 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 let's just say that I look on data Roma every single day to make sure that he didn't change anything on his portfolio. I like, I think he's probably like, he does not get any, uh, like clout, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, he doesn't give, he doesn't get enough credit and there's only, there's nothing really on him. He's kind of like Nick sleep. Like that's another investor. I mean, he doesn't really invest anymore. Uh, well, other, invest, but like we don't we don't really get to see it anymore i guess we no i think he just does personal does he not yeah but like we, we wouldn't be able to that's what i mean like we wouldn't be able to see yeah. like what he's in but no. like apparently he's just in four companies yeah still, i think last time we heard but that's the last time we heard and that was i think since like well, <laughs> maybe 2016 possibly because he stopped in 2014 was it no okay what happened i think was he closed up the fund in like 2013 2014 and then he put mm-hmm. all his money in like Three or four companies, and then Amazon. I think it was three. I've heard two different stories, but I think it was three companies. Three companies, and then he bought ASOS. Then he bought ASOS because Amazon became way too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, his portfolio. And then he uh, I don't even know when he bought it. ASOS. I just know that that's the last thing I've heard is that he had four companies, and ASOS was one of them. Yeah, that's all I. I heard two different stories, but anyways, he, yeah, Nick Sleep's a very interesting uh, investor. Um. Next question is, have you found many great investments lately? That's a good question. Um, Which one? I mean, we've had one for the year. That's We've had one buy for the year. I'm not sure if you guys, I'm guessing you guys know, it's Alibaba. One um, new buy. That's, that's the one new buy of 2021. Um, 
Uh, I'm not sure if it was Monish or Munger says that it's a good year if you just have one good idea. That's all yeah. you need, really. I think I think it's more of a Monish thing, but you know, if you have one idea, whether it's to sell or to buy, um, that's a good year, I guess. You've also been uh, like like we sometimes add to other positions. Um, yeah. What's funny is uh, when I first started investing, I had a hard time um, like averaging up. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time like after it because like psychology of it eh? like right now like I'm still like every once in a while as I get as I get money coming in from from our jobs and stuff like I'll I'll like put money into Equitable Bank in Canada mm-hmm. and like I doubled that and like it's hard like mentally to think like you got to put money into there because you just doubled it but it's selling at a good price so it's, and it's better than holding cash right now I think like I still have like a decent amount of cash, but it's better than like stacking up too much cash with inflation, right? Yeah. Like it's, in my opinion, it's a better alternative than stacking cash, like too much of it at least. Yeah, I don't even think I've added to a position. I've cut a little bit of Micron and I've and I've bought Alibaba. That's like two things I've done this yeah. year. Um, and I just cut some Micron just to get into Alibaba. That's what the whole reasoning was, is that I think that it was the most overvalued of my, like it was the most close to the value or overvalued to any of my all my stocks since so i said okay i'll cut some of that and put it into alibaba but that's really the only reason um yeah. i've so but so far like like <laughs> there's just there's been investments like or companies come across our like our radar and stuff and uh they'll be good but we just can't find anything that beats alibaba right now to put your money into yeah and i've been yeah, adding to Bubba too I've been adding to Bubba too, like for like the last like couple months. Like, I had like a little bit in Bubba before, like it kind of went down. Like I, I made a little bit of a bet right after Munger, and you had it just before Munger. Just before Munger, and then I kept like just piling it in ever since. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more you read up on it, the more you want to buy. That's kind of like what buy, like I, for me. And besides, like the whole like, oh, they're gonna get delisted, and like the government, blah blah blah. blah. There's so much good going on within the Chinese economy as well as Bubba. And mm-hmm. they have like just so much, like such a great ecosystem that so far I haven't found anything that like makes me want to get out of Alibaba. Like I, nothing makes no, me want to stop There's nothing that Alibaba. I want to get out of Alibaba for, for sure. There's, there's nothing, nothing I want to get out of my stocks for, for sure. But I still have a little bit of a cast position. I think you do too. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, we're looking for new investments, but then there's nothing really that we're, that's really, you know, that we're just letting the, the strikes go by and we're just letting, you know, I guess that's like, if you ever read the science of hitting uh, by Ted Williams and Buffett talks about it all the time is that when you're an institutional investor, or if you have investors, you guys, you have people in the stand saying swing you bum at all these pitches, right? Uh, which the pitches are the stocks going by. And so let's say for an example, I don't know what's something that's out of our circle of competence, Jake. Uh, a, a lot, lot of things. things. Like let's say te- Tesla. Tesla's <laughs> out of circle of competence. Okay. Yeah. So we sit there. We sat there for the last year and a half since Tesla's been ripping, and nobody has to say swing you bum, but see with Warren Buffett, there's people that have put on Twitter saying swing Buffett on Tesla, right? So he has to deal with that, and so I, I, I like that's why I like being uh, just a individual investor and just investing for myself well, having no real investors i guess it's like oh sorry 
There you go. It's it's like Buffett says, where you have three strikes in in baseball, but as an investor, you have like unlimited strikes, right? So yeah, you can exactly. let them come across the plate all day. You don't got to swing. Mm-hmm. And you only swing at like mispriced bats, as Munger would say. Like you 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 only look for mispriced bats. Like and what you what we're looking for, AJ, it's we're looking for not even we don't want to. F- you don't, we don't want it just down straight in the middle. We don't want it down straight in, in the plate. We want yeah. a slow, straight to the plate, right where we want it. That's that's, yeah. that's where we, we want it slow too. And so and that's I what feel- Alibaba was. It was it was slow and uh, it came right to us. And so we'll see if we, uh, I guess, get a home run on it or if it's just a pop fly. And you know what though? The thing is, is uh, with, with Baba people I, i've heard people online like talk about how like it's already such a big business like there's no way it, like 10x is and all that stuff but if you look at the economy that it's in with china and how many people there is and it's spawning it's ability to spawn out different types of businesses like what's why couldn't it 10x in 10 years like like what's stopping that yeah. you know what i mean like anyways i but, mean we'll eventually talk about bubba someday um, yeah. when we really, I mean, we have a pretty good thesis on it right now. Um, but when, when stuff, we don't want to make a thesis or a thesis on it before, like we're ready for it. Like not like, how do we put it? Like we don't want to make a thesis on it. When we want to go public, want to, we'll, we'll, yeah, we want to go public about our ideas and our thesis on it. We want to understand 230%, like 250% of the business right now. We understand about maybe, um, I but it's not even that it's not even the fact that like we need to like learn more about the business it's just that i don't want to like put my theses out there when it's like we're still adding to it and stuff you know what i mean true i mean we're not that big obviously but like yes no that is true but, and i mean we had done a lot of work for it and um you know we've done work for the last three months four months now reading up on alibaba and uh i guess we're just not ready for our ideas to be out there yet on it um we've given uh, some ideas on it so far um like we've kind of hinted at through the different last couple podcast episodes um but yeah i guess eventually we will have a podcast about our full thesis on it. it'll probably be it'll probably be an hour a couple hours probably honestly it'll probably be a couple maybe a two two or three part episode um, well there's about it but that's the, the cave so okay if you wanted like a short thesis, it could like you. I could say it in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is I don't want to like put that out there. I, I want to like basically like you know how Manish says like I don't talk about like why it's a good investment before like when he's on like yeah. a. I want to be like Manish. I'm kind of like cloning his like his his framework behind that. Like like um, I'd rather like recap it over like multiple episodes like down the road where like after like let's say like couple. Well, it could turn out to be easily a couple of years investment, but like I wanted to like explain like why it was a good business or like an investment, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then like why it worked or it didn't work. If that is the case, like, I, I want to like go over, I don't want to like, and we also don't want it before it happens. Right. And we Jason, also don't want like, somebody just to listen to the podcast and, you know, randomly click on our, our yeah. link on Twitter and all of a sudden go, yeah, I'm going to go buy Alibaba. Right. Yeah. So we want to, hint at saying like yeah, okay yeah we own alibaba or we've been buying alibaba still um but yeah we we're not make, recommending it to anybody no if, definitely not right because so. there's definitely like 
<laughs> like if you if you basically it's like um if you blindly clone other people like you know if you go on dad roma a 13f season you blindly clone someone mm-hmm. if you don't understand the business that means that if something were to happen and let's say like the big investor that you cloned realized what happened and they got out it could be months before you even see that and then the price of the stock could go like way way down so like you kind of have to like know why so that you yep. don't yeah anyways but but later on we'll for sure talk about alibaba um yeah. we'll talk about its flaws and we'll talk about its pros and con- like pros and cons obviously um and so yeah there's eventually... a weighing machine i'm oh, sorry there you go there's a weighing machine though between the the pros and cons <laughs> It's overweight on the pro side, big time. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, at least that's what we feel. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up with our last question. Uh, tips for an early investor. Where should I start? Uh, um, I got two, got two words, annual reports. Just read them. Um, pick up an annual report of... I'd, I'd highly recommend starting with like a business that you know or you go to on almost on a daily occurrence or like your employer. That'd be a perfect business to read up on. Um, so if you're a worker, if you're a Google employee, like I think picking up Google's 10K would be perfect. Um, I also to start reading about. I also think that if you pick up a, a 10K that has like one segment to their business and not like 50. Yeah, no, like probably good too. So usually you're gonna have to go for probably a smaller business, um, but like a good business to start out on. I think a really good, a fairly simple business to start out on would be something like a heritage growth property. So like a real estate, maybe that, 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 that's a little more difficult. Like maybe like Boston, Boston, Omaha, would that be? No, no, like I'd say like a restaurant that, you know. Okay. Like a restaurant, like a, like a Chipotle or something like, you know what a, I mean? Like, yeah, like, like a franchise restaurant, like, or just like something that has like, just doesn't have okay, a like, like maybe like a dollar segments. general, dollar general, dollarama in Canada. Um, something that has like one segment to it. Yeah, I know a lot of the companies that we're invested in don't really, and then yeah. you could like, for example, like Equitable Bank. Um, it's a bank, so it's kind of different than. But it has it has savings and loans. It's a savings and loans bank. So, I mean, it's it, it's, it's all simple. Your circular competences, right? So if you're really yeah. in technology, then a cloud computing business might be a perfect thing for you, right? If it's if it's only just based on cloud, but if your circular competences in finances. Um, then possibly a bank, like a regional bank might be a good start. I'd say, yeah, I think a regional bank would be a good start. What do yeah. you think, Jake? Or, you know, yeah, well, like Heiko, Heiko would be, or not Heiko, sorry, uh, Hingham. Yeah, I read Hingham there like last year and I thought that it was good. But at the same time, if, if banks aren't in a circle of competence, it's not the easiest business to understand. Like it's, under, you understand that like basically you have deposits coming in and then you have loans going out and like, that's what a bank is, I guess, like in the simplest mm-hmm. terms, but like, there's so many like different terms that you have to know. And like, you can get really lost really quick if you don't really understand like that industry very well. Mm-hmm. But like, I would say like, I think everyone understands like restaurants. Yeah. No, you that'd find be a, a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that'd be easy or like, uh, was it like Walmart work too? Like something like, yeah, Walmart might be a simple one, or like uh, you know, an arcade like Dave and Buster's. Like that was, I've, I've read that one before. That was fairly simple. What about no MGM was 
other MGM was, uh, last year. That was one of the first um, ones I've ever read, though, was MGM. Yep. Because I kind of understand like the gambling side of things. But yeah, it kind of made sense to me. Um, another one that might be interesting, uh, I was going to say maybe like the Atlanta Braves through like Liberty uh, Media. Yeah, that was, that'd be interesting too if you're a sports fan. If you're a sports fan, uh, if you just look up like the Atlanta Braves, it's a stock. Um, I think it's, the ticker is called Bat RK, B A T R K. I could be mistaken on that one. I read that one when I was early on, and that was a good, good one to read up on if you're interest, interested in sports. But yeah, like, I think just like. What about, what's that, sorry? What about like Shopify? Shopify, possibly. Like Spotify might be a good one. You know, if you're interested in music or something like that. Yeah, because I, I haven't read Shopify single, but I think they only really have one. Probably probably have more than one business segment, but primarily one business segment. At least I thought they did. I don't really know much about the company, but other than that, you know, people use it for drop shipping and stuff. <laughs> or, or start off with like uh just just a newspaper business, like a very uh, very simple business it's newspaper. You sell ads. You sell you sell, I mean I guess it's not a simple business, but it's simpler. Man, start off with Facebook. It pretty well is all the same thing. Besides like their VR. Face, and you stuff. think Facebook's easy? I, I think Facebook's pretty easy to like the point where maybe not because like, if everyone understands if you have Facebook or something maybe yeah, like yeah Instagram Facebook they're both social media the way I think um, about it is if you just you start off and you read it and if you don't understand the words then you skip to the next one you skip to the next one and then eventually you can come back to it and be like okay well maybe is it just automatic competence or was I just kind of an incompetent investor at the time um, I feel like and didn't understand like the terminology. I feel like no matter what one you read, there's going to be like terms in there where it's kind of like you what the heck to talk about because mm-hmm. it's written by like lawyers and stuff. So it's kind of like, yeah, anyways. But yeah, start off the daily reports and it's just kind of like swimming. It's, you know, you got to get into the lake, you got to get into the pool or the lake some at some point. Um, I guess <laughs> jump, just jump in and eventually, you know, eventually you figure it out yeah um but yeah that's all the questions for today um if you're interested in following us on twitter uh, my twitter handle is i believe it's at mitch jensen underscore uh, or it might be just at mitch jensen i'll figure it out right now what's your twitter handle sorry jake i think it's at invest condensely at invest condensely yeah mine's at mitch jensen underscore um, and you can also follow us on Instagram at moneyundermattress.podcast. Uh, and that will also be our email at gmail.com. Um, so thank you very much. And we'll link all the show notes uh, down below on our podcast as well as on both of our Twitters. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to add today, Jake? No, thanks for listening, guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Under the Mattress. If you have any questions about this episode, you can email us at moneyunderthemattress.podcast at gmail.com. Everything discussed in this podcast is our opinion and should not be used as investment advice. This podcast is for your entertainment and education purposes only, and we hope that you enjoyed it.